Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. This morning I just want to bring a word and I bless you all for coming. And uh, I just want to, from one mother to another mother, all you mums out there, I just want to say God bless on this day. And it's a big thing when mums are, you know, getting to a point where they just want out <laughs> from the daily routine. But God has got us. You know, that song that Paula was talking about, wasn't that great what Paula did? How many of us are game enough to get up here and speak in our second language and get a point across? I mean, I, I can't even do it half the time when I'm speaking in my first language, which is English. (laughs) But anyway, it was great. It was really good. So I just want to bless you this morning and just say to you, uh, all your mums out there, you're doing a great job. It's the most underrated job that there is, and yet there's so much in it. Amen? And all the fathers said? Yeah, I reckon. Come on. (laughs) You 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 know all the guys in this room? Their mothers raised them. How scary is that? Anyway, I'll get on. on. So over the last few weeks, we've been uh, having quite a bit of um, good preaching about wisdom. And so this morning, I just want to, being Mother's Day and everything, I want to just have a look at one person's uh, life in the Bible. But I want to talk about wisdom and conflict. And all the people said, ooh. <laughs> Wisdom and conflict. Okay. Because all of us have had conflict in our lives, amen? All of us have had conflict in our relationships. Um, and one of the things that's really amazed me about our lives, mine and James, is that we've come from different cultures, different families. James and I had a long distance relationship, and we are still here to tell the tale. Amen. 30 years later. And the thing, this is the thing, the thing is, is that we work together every day and we have done since the day we got married. Um, We've had the odd job that we've gone away, but those only been part-time jobs. So some of our our failures have been epic when it comes to conflicts. So all of you people out there that are thinking, I've just had a scrap with my other half, or I've just had a scrap with my son, my daughter, or my siblings, you can just go and let it all go. Because all of us have done that. All of us have had conflicts. And it just doesn't only happen in marriages. It happens in the families. It happens amongst uh, siblings. It happens amongst work colleagues. It happens amongst friends. And all of those relationships that we've seen, we've thought, wow, these guys have been together for 25 years, 30 years, and suddenly everything drops out of their world. I was talking to a young lady in, in uh, community the other day, and she um, introduced herself by saying, I'm so, uh, I'm I'll say, for this rose, and um, I've just walked away from my marriage of 20 years with three kids later. And you know, 
the thing is this. There's a lot of self-help stuff out there. There's stuff on video. There's stuff on the YouTube. On YouTube. I sounded like my mother then. The YouTube. Stuff on YouTube. Excuse me. And um, there's no excuse for us. Except for a few things that I want to share today that we can do to keep our relationships and conflicts at the lowest ebb. So, and these are the, the, the things, these are some pointers that I want to share with you because I'm not perfect by any means. Hey, James. He's been a good boy today. Been a really good boy. Good boy. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> yeah. And so when we've had conflicts, they have been amazing conflicts. I mean, I've always said to the music team, whenever you make a mistake, make a glorious mistake. Well, I made a few of those glorious mistakes in our relationship. But the good thing about by the grace of God, we are still here to tell the story. And I must say, I'm more in love with my husband today than I've ever been before. He didn't pay me to say that either. And so I want to talk to you about this because sometimes when conflicts happen, there's an atmosphere that pervades everywhere and it's rancid. Amen? There's a stench that happens when people are in conflict. It goes cold, it goes sour, nobody knows how to talk properly anymore, you know. Yeah, mate, that was awesome. Becomes, yes, that was good. And suddenly we become all very proper in our English. Sorry. Uh, Chrissy, yeah. <laughs> and so we say, how are you, instead of how's things, you know, because the relationship is gone. And there is an atmosphere that pervades when people are in conflict, especially people who are Christians, because we live spirit to spirit, don't we? And we can change the spiritual atmosphere by our attitude, by our words, because our words hold authority if you are a Christian today. So if you say things that are on the negative angle, then that is going to change the atmosphere around you. So I want to go to and um, talk about a woman called Abigail in 1 Samuel 25. So Abigail, she was beautiful and she was wise. So I'm pretty wise, so I figure I must be beautiful too. <laughs> Why is everybody laughing? <laughs> yeah, just so you can never mind. But she married a man called Nabal, and his name meant Phil. Fool. No, not Phil. Fool. <laughs> close, close, but no, 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 just kidding. Fool, F-O-O-L. And uh, she says to David in verse 25 of chapter 25, she says, to him, when she was in the middle of conflict, she says to him, as his name is, so is he. So this man was a fool. However, he was a rich fool. There's a difference between a fool and a rich fool, apparently. And to his, uh, in his bounty, he had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, a big staff to take care of the livestock. You know, he was a rich man in those days. And why, you think to yourself, well, why would she go and marry someone like that? Well, in those days, they didn't have much say in the whole process. They were given a marriage and, and um, families were joined together and that was the way that things were done in them days. So she was married 
to a fall. <laughs> some, of the, some of the women are giggling and the men are looking very, very sober-faced. <laughs> and so we, the story plays out like this. We're introduced to this very rich businessman and uh, the Bible says that his name was Nabal and his wife's name is Abigail and she was beautiful as well as she was wise. However, he was harsh and evil in all that he did. And when David, who had fled Saul, had gone into the wilderness, heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep nearby, he sent ten of his men to kindly ask if Nabal would give him some resources so that they could celebrate one of their religious festivals. Now, the thought around this was... Um, Nabal, uh, his shearers had been out in the wilderness and David's warriors had surrounded Nabal's, um, Nabal's shearers and taken care of them. So nothing could hurt them. So he'd done that out of his, their chari you know, charitable hearts. And he was thinking, well, I did you that favour, mate, so maybe you can pass some things my way. And that was his whole thought around it. But then David's ten young men approach Nabal, and Nabal says this in verse 10, Who's this guy, David? This is my paraphrased version. One of the many servants nowadays who runs away from his master. Shall I take what is mine to give to my sharers, my own sharers, and give it to men I don't know from goodness knows where? Shall I? And I'd be thinking, I was sitting there reading this thinking, yeah, well, what's wrong with that? But he'd forgotten a couple of things. The first thing he'd forgotten was that David had taken care of his shearers. That's a charitable act. And he'd also forgotten dun, 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 that David was a warrior. Oh, you don't go talking to warriors like that. Oh, come on. You don't go talking to fighting men like that, you know? You might as well just stand there and say, hey, bob me while you're ready. You know, go, go for it, you know. It's crazy. He'd forgotten that. And one of the things we need to do is when we're speaking to people, we need to respect who they are. If not, if, if not for anything else, that they are children of God. And so, silly old Nabal, because he was unwise, <clears throat> he just said, who do they think they are? You know, that's the sort of attitude he had. And so, of course, the Bible says that the young men who David had sent turned on their heels and went back to the camp. Now, when you say when somebody turns on their heels, it doesn't mean just, oh, especially if the heels are like three inches, eh, Jan? When you've got three-inch heels and you turn on your heels, it's nothing small, mate. So when you, you know, husbands today, or, or guys, if your girlfriends turn on their heels, man, you in trouble, big time. So these guys turned on their heels and they went back to David and they told him what happened. So David's response was, good fighting man. He's got 600 warriors. He says to 200, you stay here with the supplies. The rest of you, put on your swords. I said, what? <laughs> the guy said, I'm not going to give you any clay. And so David says, put on your swords, we're going to go and wipe them out. Yeah, that's, you don't talk to warriors like that, right? You, you be diplomatic. 
<laughs> so they said, okay, David, we're with you. We got our swords and we're going to stick them in our pouches and away we go. And I'm thinking to, my, to myself, wow, what a reaction. That's a bit much, isn't it? But these, like I said, he was a warrior. Now, one thing I've got to say about this is that men have egos. Hear me out, hear me out. Come on, you fellas, stop turning off. I just saw the lights go ping, 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 all turning off just then. Men have got egos. Ego in the dictionary says self-importance and self-worth. Now, men need to have that because primarily they are the protectors and the providers. Show me a man that is a protector that hasn't got any self-worth and self-importance. You can't show me one of those. Show me a man who hasn't got any self-importance and self-worth who will provide for his family. There isn't one of those. So, all I'm saying to us ladies, men have got an ego. How you help him handle it is up to you. You can blow the poor guy apart and he's going to stand up on you and you, you, you deserve that. One of the things when I first got married, because my ego was as big as James's, that was part of the big explosion. So it went boom, like this when we got together. But I realised that he needed to be a man. He needed to be a man. He, I needed to not stroke his ego. You don't want to go there, mate. Oh, no, you don't want to go there. <laughs> but you want to help him with that. Because an ego is the thing. If God has created him, God has given him an ego. Women, what about us? Who spends all the time shopping? Hey? Makeup, hair, clothes, the right shoes, the right bag. We're vain. I mean, that's the, that's the opposite. I mean, come on. And men, I've got to say to you, this is not her. When she goes to the shop to buy a dress, the last thing you want to say when she says, do I look fat in that, is yes. And how much did it cost? Don't do that. But we are vain. And vain, vanity says, talks to us and says that we are excessive about our appearance. Yeah, I reckon. I mean... This is a kind of sport, isn't it? We've got to keep our figures. <laughs> Shopping is a sport, if you didn't know. Amen, Amen sister. Woohoo! High five the sister next to you, sister. Come on, high five the sister next to you. But that's what I want to say to you about, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the, the soldiers, they they girding up their swords and, and they're getting ready for a scrap. But this is part of the ego. And David's ego was, it was a bit battered because of what Nabal had said to him. But I just want to put that one in there for nothing, you know. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. And so they turned on their heels and, as I said, um, the, 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 David was on the march with his soldiers, 400 of them. And they were going to go and they were going to wipe out Nabal. They were going to wipe out Nabal's people. going to wipe out all his livestock. They were going to do the deed because nobody would give them a feed, basically. That's what it was. I mean, cheapest. KFC, if that was in that day, they would have made a killing that day. But this is what happened. And so... 
during this time, as David's troops were on the march and Nabal, Nabal was none the wiser what he had done, he's, the Bible says he was a fool, one of the young men from Nabal's household went to his wife. You know, if you can't get the gan- uh, goose, then go for the gander. That's what I've heard people say. Everybody's looking at me, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, if you can't get to the man, then just talk to the lady. Um, and anyway, one of the young boys, he went to Abigail and he said, this is what has happened. Your husband has gotten David so angry, he's on the march and he's going to wipe us out. And so Abigail, being wise and beautiful, see she was vain, she'd been out shopping, got herself all pretty. <laughs> So Abigail, being wise, she thought, if I don't do anything, then what's going to happen is all of our wealth and all of these people who are with us and all the livestock that we've taken a long time to grow up, he's going to wipe the lot out. But not only that, she knew who David was and she was thinking to herself, he's going to lose his testimony. And this is what happens in the middle of conflict. We can just do something, say something, and we lose our testimony. Amen? And as Christians, we don't want to do that. Even if you don't know Jesus and you have lost your testimony in front of your kids, there has to be some reparation made. You can't just leave it. You know, ah, they don't know anything. They don't know my pain. Well, how are they going to know your pain unless you tell them? Amen? Amen. So we're talking about conflict, okay? And so the thing, other thing I wanted to say in that is that sometimes as married couples, we can use scriptures, things we've learnt in church, like hand grenades. You know, <laughs> you should love me like Christ loved the church. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should submit to me. <laughs> We really don't want any outcomes from that. We just want to blow each other up. Now, come on. Are these things that God has given to us for us to be able to walk in faith and walk in his perfect love, don't turn those things down into weapons that you can use for yourself. But we are so, t- I mean, I've done it. How do I know? I do, I've done it. The Bible says, and you find some obscure verse there really hasn't a beginning or an end. It's just got these three words. Submit to your husband. That's it. What about the stuff on the left and the stuff on the right? Nah, we don't need that bit. Are we just... Yeah. Come on. You'll keep, bro. You'll keep. But we just, hey, and we just get our morals and we swing them around our head like those bullets you use for Gatling guns. We get our morals and go, and wipe each other out. I mean, come on. And then you walk into church and you go, thank you, Lord, for my life. Come on. You wonder how many times. Yeah. You wonder how many times God's looking at us go, ah, when you're done, I'll come back and I'm going to get a cup of tea. I'll come back later. <laughs> but we can sit in our trenches and throw hand grenades at each other, blow each other away, do the old, you know, toof like that, guided missiles. And what happens? Nothing. Nothing. 
So, you know, this is the conflict that Abigail finds herself at. And she says, well, I've got to do something about it. And do you know, one of the things that we tend to do is, I'll do something if you do something first. You're the man. You do it first. It's like, you're the Christian. Do something. Come on. And we do this. And, you know, I don't know how many times James and I went through this. We were in our trenches. We had our hats on. We had our army fatigues on. Do you know, the whole world is dying and we're blowing each other up. (laughs) Come, come, people. What is going on? Yeah. Cheapers, creepers. But, you know, so anyway, I want to be an Abigail. And this is what Abigail said. She says this. I've got to do something. This is what she says. So she has decided that she's going to, first of all, She's going to make a decision to do something. Now, one of the things that I've found in, um, in, in, in my life is too, is that I've met a lot of women who say, well, he's the man, he makes all the decisions. He makes all the decisions. <laughs> yeah. It, sounds, it looks like what it sounds like. <laughs> so I'm just going to hide behind him. Uh, he can make all the decisions. <laughs> and, and, and I submit to him. <laughs> and you are a Christian, why? What a <laughs> It would be your nightmare, James, I believe. <laughs> now, come on. God has called us as individuals and then he has made us one. And we need to stop blame, even if you're not married, stop blaming the leader, stop blaming the boss, stop blaming somebody else. Take initiative and do it yourself. Sort the conflict out yourself. All of us who have been, um, who have been redeemed by the Lord have the same spirit in us. So we don't have to stand behind the Sathman and say, whatever he says, I'll do it. I'm not very good at that, can you tell? (laughs) I jiggers, that man's going to get it when he gets home. (laughs) Abigail was in the midst of this crisis. Now, one of the things that James and I have decided is this. You know, like after, like I said, long nights and nights in the trenches we have come to this realisation is that we need to sort it out. So what we do, if he's the bright idea, he talks to me. I'm telling it from my own point of view. He tells me what his idea is. So my, and then I would answer him and tell him what I think. But at the end of that, if I don't agree, I'll say so. And I'll say so and leave it. All the ladies are smiling like, yeah, we don't leave it, bro. (laughs) You say so, and I say to him, I don't agree with that. So I take my share of the responsibility for that, and I put it on him and say, you make the decision. Whatever you decide, I'll go with it, but you handle the responsibility. That's the way it works. So I have submitted myself to him, but he still knows how, what I think. And it works like that. And more often than that, James will know he'll feel the weight of that responsibility and he realises he'd rather get in trouble with me than God. Hey, 
Have you seen when you get trouble with God? Whoa, everything just freezes over. And so that's how we have decided to work things between us when we have a disagreement. Now, before that, I would, this is my disagreement. Okay, I'll do what you say. Get away. Don't touch me. You know? And he'll say, honey, are you okay? Put some more right. I'm fine. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and so it would go on like that, and we'd be back in our trenches before long. So we, I decide that he's got to make the, take the responsibility, make the decision, and that's all there is to it. The body language, I've had to work on it. My responses, I've had to work on it, because it hasn't been easy. But that's conflict. Now let's go back to Abigail. It's all about Viv. It's all about Viv, but we'll go back to Abigail. <laughs> So in verse 18, Abigail, the word says, Abigail makes haste. Now, wisdom is the fear of God. Understanding is putting that wisdom into practice. Sometimes we can hang around that. Well, I know what he should do. I know what he, sh- I know what he should do. But then you do, don't do anything about it. I know what I should do. I know what I should do. But then I won't do anything about it. So she made haste. And Abigail moved quickly. She didn't wait for someone else to start the ball rolling. She did it herself. She started. She initiated. No matter whether you're male, female, boss or not boss, you initiate. You have the power and the spirit of God in you. You initiate. And uh, even though she was under pressure, she did things well still. She didn't sort of, you know, things around, slap things around. Like James said a couple of weeks back, bang, bang the cupboards, rattle the pots and slap everything around. But she did she planned well under pressure and she prepared 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roasted grain, and the list goes on. So she made sure she had everything that she needed to stop that situation turning into a massacre. And so often, when we have come to this place, we need to fix the conflict, we're a bit slap happy about it. But I say to you today, do it properly. Remember, it is God. What is, it is God that you're doing it before. Amen? It's not about the other person anymore. It's about God. And number two, verse 23, she says that, it says that she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed low to the ground. Low to the ground. Okay? She humbled herself. She humbled herself in the middle of a crisis. She, she, in the middle of a crisis, it's hard to humble yourself, isn't it? I find it hard to humble. This girl, she knew humble. She knew how to do the low, low, low. Low, 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 low. Yeah, as if. Shane said, as if. I mean, this girl knew how to do humble, didn't she? She went low, low. And if I was, you know, that was Abigail, then you must be Nabal. <laughs> What's your name mean again? Oh, yeah. This girl knew how to do humility. She bowed low to the ground. 
because she knew what was at stake. She knew her whole family was at stake. She knew the reputation of David was at, at, at stake. She knew her wealth, her future, everything was at stake. Sometimes in the middle of conflict, we forget what we're doing. Yeah. Hey, right. come on, pull your head in, girl. We forget that what is at stake is our lives, our livelihood, our love, our romance, our relationship. We forget that. And so somebody presses the button and away we go again. You should love me as Christ loved the day. Boof. We should love. Boof. But she knew what was at stake. And she knew that if she didn't do anything about it, the, the whole lot was going to be lost and that David would march. See, she even, she even had knew that if this went ahead, even her enemy would lose his testimony. Her enemy at that stage was David. And when you are in a marriage relationship, you must not forget that the other person is also created by God and has a call on their life. They have the spirit of God in their life. So when I get start getting uh, wound up, as I sometimes do, I have to remember there's a call on James's life. I have to remember there's a call on other people's lives. And I am speaking directly negative to that call, to the spirit of God in that person. It's up to us to honour each other. Not just the people that we like, we honour each other. Amen? So verse 24 says this, on me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. So she took responsibility for the situation. When in any conflict, there are two people at war, but often the ramifications go further. If you're a couple, your kids are listening to what you're talking about. You have planted them in an atmosphere where things are rotten. If you are at work and you are in the conflict, then you are creating an atmosphere in your workplace where people have to dwell in it. Now, we are people of God. We want the best for people that we know. Not only that, if somebody is getting a hammering and you are at work and you're standing on the side and do nothing, same thing. You have to initiate that's what we do. We don't sit placidly by and let it all happen. If you are in a family and there's a sibling rivalry, you do something about it. You do something about it, just like Abigail did. Let this iniquity, let the sin of the situation be on me and I will fix it because I will do it by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen? It's so easy to be a spectator on the side. Easy to be a spectator on the side and just let it happen. And then the worst thing that a Christian can do, take sides. We're on the side of God. That's all there is to it. Regardless of who's right or wrong, our one thing that we need to do, our one focus is to bring peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That's what we need to do. So, I think one of the other things is, lastly, 
we must recognise that the other person in this conflict belongs to and was created and called by God. In verse 28 it says this, For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battle of the Lord. So Abigail was speaking to David at this point, and she recognised that he was a warrior of God. And in verse 29 it says this, Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. Now when that, with that phrase, bound in the bundle of the living, in the old days when they had valuable things and they wanted to protect them, they would put them in soft cloth and wrap them up and then wrap them up and then wrap them up again. And that's how they would transport valuable items. And so what Abigail was saying was, God has protected you and you are valuable to him. So she, at all of this time, she is, she is telling not only him but herself that he is important to God. And therefore, she will take that attitude that he is important to God. And it says in verse 30, it says this, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all good that is spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. So she, what she did was she prophesied over him. Such was her heart towards David. So she prophesied and told him that he would be the ruler over Israel. And so because of this, you can't go further when you see the call of God on somebody's life, can you? You can't go any further. You can't start throwing any more hand grenades and guided missiles and all the rest of it. And so this morning, more than anything, my heart's desire is that I pass on to you something that I struggled with for a long time, being that person in conflict who would humble themselves, being that person in conflict who would do something about it being that person in conflict that would see the call of God on the other person. And so when these things are all in front of you, when you have done all that you can do, then you can stand. Amen? I mean, we, we take, for, for instance, the communion scripture that says, you know, if you know somebody's got something against you, leave your offering there and go and see that person and then come back and offer to God. So that doesn't even, the other person half the time doesn't even know that you think there's a conflict, but you've got to do something, initiate. And from the very beginning, we're at Faith Point, we've always wanted to be initiators of good. We don't want to be people who sadly sit by and watch other people get trampled underfoot. That's not us. That's not our family DNA. Amen? Amen. So that's all I've got to share. If we could stand, please. Thank you, Lord. You know, this is one of those days when we start thinking about family, and some of us have um, not very good memories. Others of us have good. And the Bible talks about those who can restoring those who can't. And so this morning, I feel by the Spirit of God that there are some things. I'm, I'm thinking church family. I'm thinking uh, natural family, I'm thinking extended family. There's some stuff that needs to be sorted out. 
And this morning, it's no surprise that you're here because God wants you to initiate the change. The Word of God talks to us about doing this, about leaving our offering, sorting it out with our fellow people, fellow men, and then coming to God. So often we go straight to the foot of the cross, knowing that there are things in our lives that need to be sorted out. The first thing I want to speak to today is there's a conflict between light and darkness. I don't know all of you here today, but there's a conflict of light and darkness that needs to be sorted out. And you need to initiate this over your life. Give your heart to Jesus. You need to give your life to him so that he can make some changes on your behalf, that he can plot your course. The word says that the, the Bible is a lamp to our feet. He wants to light your path so that you can see ahead. And so this morning, without anybody looking around, if you are in conflict with God, today's your day. Today's the day for you to make a decision. Today's the day for you to say, God, I don't want to be in conflict with you anymore. I want to go the way that you plotted before me. There is a destiny for you in in your life. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to just raise your hands because we're going to pray with you. I won't keep this going for too long because too many people want to do selfies. If that's you today, if there's a recommitment even that you need to make, why don't you put your hand up and we'll pray with you as a congregation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. There's another group of people here this morning. There's conflict between you and someone else. I won't ask who. That needs to be put to rest. It's time for you to come out of the trenches and stop the fighting because the, cre- uh, the atmosphere that you're creating around those closest to you, the atmosphere has become rancid. And something will happen to the saplings that are around you, children, work co- colleagues, people who know you are a Christian. Something will happen to them and they will die. They will perish. So I'm, I'm speaking to the initiators of change this morning, if that's you. I want you to come up. Be the initiator of change. This may not necessarily be you. It could be somebody that you know that needs, needs a hand and needs a friend in a bad situation.